I'm uh, Ajay Mechi, also known as Jay, and I um, am a community organizer with the organization Freedom to Thrive. And yeah, we focus on um, building sort of a world that invests people in the planet and divests from, you know, systems that really uh, chew black and brown bodies up and spit them out, you know, including like the prison industrial complex. So um, yeah, when it was when I when that um, measure passed and it was time to, you know, implement or like build that new system, because obviously I think everybody can kind of agree that the system right like as it is right now is not working um, around police accountability. So we're trying to rebuild one, build a new one. And uh, I just thought, you know, maybe I want to be part of the process and uh, yeah, put in my application. But I was kind of waitlisted, I guess you could say. And, uh, you know, some folks dropped out. And so I came in a little bit late. Um, which I jumped in way over my head, you know, uh, just was like, wow, this is a lot um, that I'm jumping right in the middle of, you know. Um, and yeah, I think, did you have any other questions? What my role, my, in last, um, the last phase, I was one of the co-chairs, which the two co-chairs are here. And yeah, I'll pass it to whoever wants to speak next, I guess. I don't mind going next. Um, I am, I'm Tirsa. I was also a co-chair in the powers and duties phase, which actually just finished um, this Monday, uh, February, February 13th. Um, and currently we are getting ready to start in our next phase of work our uh, structures and duties face of work. And I will be a co-chair on the subcommittee of uh, staff membership. Um, and what brought me to be on the committee is mostly my upbringing. I uh, grew up in a low-income community and I went to schools where it was pretty common to have uh, police present. Um, and so that was like my reality that, and I thought that was normal until I was in high school and I, and I started to realize that um, students were constantly being targeted um, by police. Um, and so I just always carried a, a of, I guess, anger towards uh, the system of um, policing um, in the country. Um, and so I wanted to do something. Um, and so I joined this commission for that reason. I'm a Christian. Uh, I was also a uh, full commission co-chair during the powers and duties phase, um, which like uh, Tirsa said, just wrapped up. Um, feels really good. <laughs> You wanted to know it a little bit about us? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm just a community member. I'm an artist. Um, I do a little bit of everything. I've done some organizing work, um, like mutual aid projects, stuff like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> what brought me to the work was uh, kind of a similar thing. I, I grew up low income um, as well um, in over-police communities. Um, I kind of had a dissonant experience because I grew up um, around a lot of uh, white communities in my schools um, but 
saw something different in my own in my own neighborhoods um so that dissonance kind of culminated in as i learned more and more about um systemic racism and stuff like that it culminated in me wondering how to um help um and similar to ajay joining this commission was just kind of like a let's see if this helps <laughs> type of thing um and it's sort of part of an ongoing process um i'm finding slash uh no slash uh want to acknowledge <laughs> okay thank you my name is Austin Foster. I use she, her pronouns, and I am the community engagement and communications coordinator for the Police Accountability Commission. Um, I just wanted to kind of get an idea of what your approach has been during this um, phase. Uh, do you try to bear in mind things like the changing, uh, many would say, more conservative makeup of city council and the potential opposition of the Portland Police Association, or when you're coming up with these powers and duties and um, like, like what, what has your, have those things factored into your guideposts and decision-making? Um, but, you know, in this phase, uh, you know, I mentioned before when I was talking about, like when I was referencing the charter about how we were trying to make things as foolproof, you know, as possible. And, you know, that's, me, I wouldn't say that was necessarily because of having a more conservative um, council right now, even though I personally believe that's true. Like, I, I think it's more like, regardless of how progressive or um, conservative the council is, the police union, you know, if they can poke holes in something, they will. Um, and so regardless of whether, you know, Joanne is there, or like Joanne Hardesty is there, or Renee Gonzalez is there, like, it has to be um based in the law you know based in you know what is considered to be i guess like fact and uh data and information and based on best practices from around the country uh regardless of of who's sitting on council but i mean i think for me personally it's something that I, i've thought about like you know okay how do we make this even more foolproof um but at the same time also acknowledging that if city council doesn't vote for what we create then the um they will be out of compliance you know with this doj agreement and either they're gonna have to create something themselves or which was you know i mean do they really want to go through the process that we've been going through this whole time doubtful um so the options are to you know take what we create which you know by my account i think will be as foolproof as possible pretty open and shut um or they make something better and show the DOJ that somehow what they created in, you know, a span of, a, you know, um, I don't know how long, maybe in a few weeks or a few months, you know, what they create is going to be better or equal to us. It seems, it seems like unlikely given the amount of time and the amount of research. And I mean, we're working two to three days a week for like two and a half hour, like three hour meetings. And, you know, uh, a dozen commissioners going through pages and pages and pages of documents um, so it's hard to see how they would do something better. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the point being is that like, yes, it's something that I personally thought about and other people we've mentioned in meetings and stuff like that. But as far as um, our strategy, I would say just kind of remains the same, that it's based in, you know, the facts of the law. Um, it's based within the scope of what we're, um, what duties we were given to do. And so when we hand them this thing, it's open and shut that, okay, this is what was created. This is what we hand over to the DOJ to be, to get back into compliance um, with, 
uh, the lawsuit and also to follow the um, the will of the people, which is, you know, the measure that was passed with 80 something, what is it, 82%, you know, so it's not just the DOJ that they had to be accountable to. It's also, you know, 82% of Portlanders who are uh, desperate for a change. So regardless of how conservative they are, I mean, they're, they're not, like, I wouldn't imagine that they would do something to like, you know, uh, go against the will of the people. Um, but I mean, I guess you never know, but um, I think the will of the people is pretty clear. And, you know, we live in a free country, hopefully. We don't live in a fascist place, you know, a political minority doesn't have the right to override the will of the people. So that's that, that's my opinion. Totally true. It's been kind of an ongoing piece of um, our conversations because we are bound by the DOJ settlement, which is bound by laws that are in already in place, um, state, federal, city, whatever, um, and collective bargaining agreements with the police, all that stuff. Um, so it's a consistent thing that we've talked about um, in terms of um, strategy um, during the fact-finding phase, which happened in the summer. Um, I think uh, the coaches from that phase talked on the show as well. Um, we we did have meetings with a lot of the council members too. Um, and uh, since the switch from uh, Hardesty to Gonzalez. Um, we are hoping to reach out and talk to him. Um, we've we've been uh, doing so and we haven't heard back yet, but that's an ongoing process and we're hoping to to talk to them as well. So it's kind of just like an ongoing communication. Um, and hopefully when we get to the end goal, those relationships will be strong enough that um, it'll help to uh, at least if not like get the, the thing passed, at least like be able to communicate if they, if what the likelihood is of it getting passed or not, um, which again, we're hoping is pretty likely because it is in the DHA settlement <laughs> that it's that it's supposed to be implemented or they have to come with their own. Yeah. My understanding is that the the deadline is in October of this year. Is that still the case? Um, it's it's a little. Yeah, it's the deadline um, for the DHA settlement is in October. Um, but council gave us until June, I think, 9th, was it? Tw- oh, 29th, 40. Was that? Yeah, 9th. Okay, cool. I was like 49th. <laughs> um, yeah, June 9th, um, which is a much shorter timeline. Um, and uh, we can talk more about that as well if you'd like, but we're in the process of trying to align those two um, deadlines so that we have a little bit more time because um, currently it's 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 a pretty tight turnaround and it's tough to get all that work in while also, you know, everyone on the, everyone on the commission is a volunteer. So, you know, everyone has jobs and life and kids and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> everyone has a lot of things going on. Um, so it's hard to fit it all in in that little tight timeline without more room, breathing room. And I, I had seen it was on the council agenda, but it got bumped up. And I'm guessing it just hasn't been. Yeah, it's, yet. it's been it's been moved a few times. That's one of those like ongoing where us through staff are like communicating with council. So we don't like directly communicate. It's like, a, yeah, it's kind of an ongoing um thing we're hoping that it gets on in the next some and whenever really whenever, whenever it can we're just keeping an eye on when it's when it gets put on the agenda and hopefully that um, is a positive result yeah and so each of the three of you has sat on one of the three subcommittees and that is uh structural oversight officer accountability and access to information um and i was uh wondering if each of you could just you know you don't have i've, I've in case our listeners haven't seen the documents that came out of each of these committees, they are very detailed and lengthy. And I'm not asking you to go through them point by point because you've already done that like five or six times. Um, but are there like w- w- what is a, a major change to the system uh, in terms of powers and duties that would be had by this new uh, oversight um, structure that came out of these processes? 
the uh, subcommittee that I was on worked on uh, developing areas of agreement for access to information, um, which covered uh, subpoena power, um, compelling uh, testimony, um, access to police records, and uh, we also discussed uh, body-worn um, camera footage. Uh, and uh, I, I think one new, something new that um, is currently not practiced uh, with the current oversight um, here in Portland is the direct access to uh, police records. So we are, uh, the subcommittee requested that the new oversight board have direct access to uh, police records, including um, body-worn uh, camera footage. And then also something uh, else that would be new is the um, subpoena power. So having um, the support of uh, city council with issuing subpoenas for testimony and um, going back to like the body camera footage. Um, so while the city has not fully implemented or has not implemented the body-worn uh, uh, cameras for police officers. We are keeping an eye on that change. And there was a new article that was released uh, this week um, about uh, body-worn camera footage and how uh, the city with the PPA um, are expected to not resolve that anytime soon. Um, so that's something that we... Uh, we'll be um, discussing at a at a future time be, because of the possibility that our work may be completed prior to that being resolved. Um, and I did just want to follow up on that quick. I remember from watching, it was probably several uh, access to information meetings ago, um, there was a discussion about the board potentially being the holder of uh, body-worn camera footage. Um, I'm curious what the result of that conversation was, because I know that's a big sticking point with the potential arbitration um, between the city and PPA. Yes, the, the, um, we are recommending that the, the new oversight board be the owners of the uh, camera footage or the co-owners along with the, with the bureau. So that's what we are bringing forward as of now um well i can go next and i can talk about uh structural oversight it's not gonna be as detailed but um basically the purpose of structural oversight was just really to focus on the process of making like these systemic changes so um like how do how would people propose or the board propose policy changes for ppb and, uh, you know, make these policy recommendations and training recommendations uh, based off of um, their own inquiries, but also uh, inquiries from the community and input from the community. And um, thinking about, um, yeah, I mean, really, it was just like going through the, the process of like, how do we make these um, these uh, wide scale changes and wide scale inquiries. And, and, you know, as one example that was uh, mentioned in our areas of agreement was the Sentinel over uh, the Sentinel event reviews, which happened has happened in other places like in Seattle and stuff like that, where, you know, where they have these um, 
these moments, like for example, uh, the one in Seattle where uh, they had like police had, you know, uh, interacted in, you know, these not great ways with protesters. And there was a lot of um, community outrage and they had the Sentinel event review to really look at um, what was the systemic failure in that event, you know? So instead of focusing just on, okay, let's find the the bad apples, let's punish the one bad guy and go about business as usual. But like looking at the totality of the situation and being able to say, this was a, this was a, a policy failure, you know? And so based on understanding this as a policy failure, what, what needs to change? Um, and so that was uh, one of the things that we wrote about it and we were asking um, that be implemented was these uh, sentinel event reviews. Um, uh, but also, you know, we went through the the process of how a community and uh, board members themselves um, request a policy change. So, you know, that was it. <laughs> the other the other uh, subcommittees, I feel like their areas of agreement were like four times longer than, than structural oversight. It was it was a lot. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was on officer accountability, which, um, uh, like Ajay mentioned, was uh, the biggest we had the largest uh lift out of the three i think our document ended up being like twice as long as both of the others <laughs> um which was it was pretty beefy um um but some of the bigger things basically we were focused on it's a pretty self-explanatory title for the subcommittee we were focused on um keeping officers accountable um at the individual level um so whereas structural oversight more focused on the larger um, elements and policy change and stuff we focused more on um, the actual system so when a um, complainant um, comes in and uh, makes a complaint about an officer. Um, how would that intake happen? Um, who would do that intake? Actually, I think who is the next step, next phase? But we basically we, the basic structure of how it happens. So how the intake go down? Um, an investigation would happen afterwards. Um, would there be an option for mediation? That was something as well. Um, if they wanted to just go straight to uh, the supervisor of the officer instead of actually going through investigation um, where that would fit in um, we had a whole flow chart um, I don't know if it's public yet um, but it should be eventually um, but it, yeah it's basically was where we were trying to condense it down a little bit because through the fact-finding phase we found that a lot of people um, ourselves included as we did the research um, found the current system to be really convoluted and complicated um, not easy to use um, one big change that we made that I don't think has happened in any other city in the United States, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, other co-chairs in um, Austin, but um, was uh, we added uh, an advocate um, that would be given to a, complain a complainant um, and would stay with them throughout the whole process from the beginning to the end. Um, that person could go in with them during like uh, investigation uh, hearings, stuff like that. Um, as a support person to help them navigate the system. And they would also hopefully, again, all of this is, not speculative, but it hasn't been implemented yet. But ideally, if this if this does get accepted, um, they would also hopefully be able to have access to information that maybe the complainant wouldn't have. Um, so they would have the context that the complainant might not have, and they could share what they could, stuff like that. Um, basically, kind of a mediator between the complainant and this really big, scary system, you know, um, which there are a lot of things that we can, there's something we run into, or like, there's a lot of things that we can't change. Um, and it's kind of frustrating. So adding the advocate is kind of a way to try and have that harm reduction there. Um, which is kind of a bit of the name of the game. It's like, I have mixed feelings about it, but <laughs> it at least hopefully will help uh, in some way in the future. Um, yeah, those were some of the bigger points. Um, some of the overlap was around, like, we discussed to uh, subpoena power and stuff like that. Um, and I think uh, access to information um, 
had a, a role and we had, there's a little bit, of, I don't know if there's communication necessarily, but there was a little bit of overlap there. Um, and I think we do, we also do have somewhere in the document, um, a note about uh, having uh, reviews of, um, I think annual maybe reviews on um, all the different uh, complaints that have happened throughout that year. So if there's a consistent pattern, there needs to be some kind of review of why that pattern is happening. Um, and then that would overlap with a structural oversight, obviously, because then it would be like, well, if this pattern is happening, there may be a reason for it. Maybe that reason is policy. Let's implement a new policy, maybe have a new training. Um, yeah. Sorry, I literally just remember what I was going to say. Apologies. The sticking point was that uh, we are hoping to uh, be able to have a, a seat at the table during um, things like things that are currently closed meetings, like um, appeals processes. So like if an officer re re uh, doesn't agree with a discipline that's set forward and it goes to arbitration, um, currently those are closed door meetings. But ideally, if our if our system gets implemented in the way that it's currently proposed, um, someone from the board would be at those meetings. So there would be a little bit more of a voice and connection um, for the complainant because ideally they'd be able to communicate and back and forth and advocate um, in those moments as well. Hopefully that's enough context. We had a really big, like I said, it was a huge document, so I may not remember everything, but those were the bigger sticking points in my mind. Were there any like major points of argument that took some time to resolve that came up in, uh, in the subcommittee discussions? I, I mean... You know, I, I I feel like the answer is no, only because there, like, it felt like I was, as I was reading the documents, sometimes it felt like more footnotes than actual document, because every single thing is cited. So, like, I had a lot of questions, but every time I asked a question, it was like, oh, well, this is directly from an earlier, you know, our earlier research, or the charter, or, you know, um, and so, I mean, I might be forgetting something, but uh, this phase seemed to go pretty smoothly um, because uh, I think everyone has a good sense now of like what our scope is, like what exactly can we do? Because um, I think that, you know, everyone coming into, let me just speak for myself, me coming into this, <laughs> um, I had a lot of like, you know, pipe dreams and, you know, I had a lot of um, idealism about what I thought I would be able to do. Um, and so it took me a moment to understand like what it is that we can actually change um, and what is it within the, the the legalities, you know, because we do have a legal system that is designed to protect the police and not constitutionally required to protect the people, but they are required to protect, you know, each other because of the union. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, because of that, um, yeah, I mean the point just being everything is it it felt very smooth because we we had everything was data driven everything was cited, um, I every question that I had was answered in a complete way and there was never any moment that I felt like I'm not sure about this like there wasn't any moment where I needed clarity because when I did ask for clarity there's a whole separate document that I could read if I wanted to get more clarity on that one specific point so um, that's my that was my opinion. Yeah, I'll I'll add to that. Um, I also um, I didn't mention this earlier, but I also came into the commission a little bit uh, later, not quite as late as Ajay, but I was I skipped like the first phase. Um, so I came in a little bit later, and I I also had the experience of coming in with this really like idealized, like radical, like oh my god, it's gonna be like amazing. I can change so many things in this, and then 
coming up against the wall of the system and realizing, oh, there's a reason why it's currently so complex and it's currently so difficult to navigate. It's because the system does protect the police and they have a really huge leg up in, in terms of um, complaints and whatnot, which is why it's been the way it's been for so long. Um, so I would say that the, the phase itself, yes, um, most of the phases generally um, go relatively smoothly. Um, there's always like a little bit of, you know, some people have to have to make concessions, but they're never on really, really, really big sticking points. Um, there was one that was that pulled over from the fact finding phase, but it got resolved um, because uh, we teased it out a little more this phase. Um, uh, but generally, yeah, they go really smoothly. I, th I would say I don't know if all commissioners share this experience, but for me, definitely, there was kind of like a, a general feeling of needing to compromise <laughs> with the system, not with each other. Um, so like coming to terms on what our limitations are. Um, which, you know, it's hard when you're just a community member who just comes in and is like, this is going to be great. Like, I'll actually be making policy change and whatnot. And then you're like, oh, never mind. I mean, I will, but like, it's going to be limited by a lot of things, which are, I'm not going to be changing, you know? Yeah. So there's a general compromising, I think, for for me and maybe perhaps for others as well um, throughout. But overall, the, between us, it generally goes pretty smoothly. I'll just add that at the, like, once we're done reviewing the documents that are brought um, forward that the subcommittees have, uh, put together like we review we will review the values of the police accountability commission and I think that um, well very quickly there are like equity and inclusion anti-racism uh, harm reduction uh, effectiveness uh, transparency and trustworthiness and uh, community centered to be community centered and so I think like well, uh, well at least for me uh, when I um I try to keep these like in, on my mind, like when we are um, going over the the, the documents uh, brought forward. And so um, I, it's been uh, really helpful just to keep mind that the work that we are doing is work that was voted by the 82% of Portland voters back in 2020. Maybe these are things that would get worked out in future phases or something, but I'm curious where where things have kind of landed with what sort of information can or will get released to the public um, from the results of these investigations? Um, and the uh, this current phase, we mostly talked about how the board would have access to those police records. Um, we haven't fully uh, dived in how um, the public would also have access to to those records, um, but it has sort of been it has sort of come up in conversation. Um, what this phase of work really tried to do was uh, to ensure that the oversight board, the new oversight board, would have access to um, police records and the databases that also hold uh, any law enforcement um, agency records in, in the city of of Portland like uh um and and federally as well uh like CGIS um but I anticipate that um that would be a conversation that we will um touch at a later phase agreed Thanks. I was just gonna say the same thing that um like the next phase we're really going to be developing out the structure and the details uh but this phase we're kind of looking at the sort of overall general functions of um, of the system 
And so it was so hard not to get <laughs> into those details because as we're creating these, you know, structures, uh, obviously we have the details in mind as we're creating these things. And I would say to kind of harken back to your previous question, that the only few things that I feel like maybe didn't feel resolved were because it was like, we wanted to jump ahead so badly. We wanted to really start thinking about those details. Um, but, you know, you can't put the cart before the horse. Like you have to think about the overall system first and how that functions. And then now that we have that in place, we can really hammer out you know, what the details are around, you know, the way that the system interacts with the people, the way that people interact with the information and all those things. So the next phase is structure and details, um, kind of currently on a timeline of uh, early June, but hopefully October, depending on what the council decides. Um, have like the new co-chairs been chosen? Is there a sense of like the structure of this phase so far? Yeah, we have uh, three new co-chairs that were also appointed in our uh, Monday, uh, February 13th meeting, um, and as well as uh, subcommittee co-chairs for the three um, new subcommittees, which are board membership, oversight agency, and uh, reporting and transparency. Um, we have not uh, had a full commission uh, meeting or any of the subcommittee um, meetings yet. They were the coaches were just appointed um, this Monday. There will be a little more communication between subcommittees this coming phase because the work is a little more overlapped. So I think we might have like uh, some hybrid meetings um, somewhere in there as well. Where so this phase we all like every subcommittee kind of had their own meetings going on, but this coming phase some of the subcommittees might communicate and have like a a joint meeting that will break up into separate meetings throughout, um, depending on what's called for. So the, we always ask the KBU question, which is how can our listeners get involved in things? Um, and I know that there's a probably the most blatant way would be to attend the your meetings and uh, the especially the listening sessions that you hold. I am curious what in this phase, what your experience has been of um, public engagement and what sort of feedback you're getting from the public. Um, yeah, I mean, the feedback is, is interesting, um, because I mean, I think that there's a lot of frustration with the system, which I totally understand. And I think if I was on the other side, <laughs> I probably would, you know, act the same way. Um, you know, sometimes I have that conversation with myself, you know, I remember, uh, earlier in the conversation, I mentioned like, you know, there was kind of a reckoning where you come to terms with, uh, the, the limited power we have, you know? Um, and I think that the public is kind of coming term to terms with that too. And especially with like the headlines out here about the, you know, the union's power and their ability to shut down things that, you know, Portlanders agree on, um, it gets people really riled up. It gets people really frustrated. Um, and, um, but I, I, you know, I think it's great that people are coming and they're expressing, um, their, their, um, opinions about it, because I think that they should be upset and, uh, I think they should stay, you know, not stay upset. Obviously I want people to feel better, but I also want, um, people to stay activated and, you know, stay on their behinds because, <laughs> you know, this is, this is going to need the people like, um, you know, there was a sense, there's a sense that sometimes that these, um, uh, public, uh, meetings and community engagement meetings where people are like, do something. And, you know, I kind of want to, you know, throw that back onto people. And it's like, 
let's yes you do something too we both need to do something like every we need to build people power um we need like we need support you know we need city council to vote on this and you know it might become a political issue and if it does then we're gonna have to rely on the people to really like have our backs here um and so uh yeah it's really important for people to stay engaged um we have meetings twice a week. Feel free to come whenever you want. They're open to the public. Um, also, you know, our community engagement events tend to be much more interesting <laughs> than our, our meetings. So at least come to those. Um, and yeah, I mean, sign up for, um, you know, listservs and stuff like that. Uh, public commentary. We have so many ways of giving public commentary um, through voicemail, through email, through mail, snail mail. Um, you know, there's a million ways that people can contribute their voice and, you know, it's really important to, yeah, keep, keep speaking up, keep speaking out, you know, cause, um, we want to change the system and we're trying, <laughs> you know, so I don't know, I guess that's it. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll echo that, uh, for sure. That, um, I totally agree that, um, that activation of the community is really important. Um, and like Jay said, the the reckoning <laughs> that a lot of us have gone through on the commission, um, or at least I personally have, I'm, again, not sure about everyone else, but I feel like generally there might have been a reckoning for some of us. Um, so we, we, we feel the pain <laughs> of the community. We're also really frustrated um, with our own limitations. Um, and that's why I think I, I said this earlier, too, and I'll just reiterate it because it's really important, um, in my opinion, um, that this is a, really an ongoing thing. Um, and this... Uh, board that new board that we're building this new oversight system that we're building is um just a just a piece of it um after this there will be something else that we need to change and and if this doesn't go through we'll have to you know try and figure out a way to make something else go through that might work better you know um and, and with this with all its limitations obviously those those limitations will have to be addressed by someone else maybe there's another committee that gets put in place that tries to change state law or like collective bargaining agreements whatever i don't know how it all works again it's really complicated um but it's it's an ongoing thing, and this is just a piece of it. So staying staying activated is really important. I really um, totally agree. Um, and I would say, you know, for community people who are listening, that like we also are struggling with um, those limitations, and we're also frustrated um, a lot of the time. But uh, we're doing our best um, within what we're learning is <laughs> the limits of our abilities <laughs> on the on this committee. Teresa, I didn't want to cut you off. If you wanted to add anything to that, um, um I mean, I would just uh, briefly add that. Um, we're having the uh, we're engaging with the community pretty off like pretty often now a couple times a month uh, with the assistance of of Austin um, our community engagement uh, coordinator um, who has um, helped get these uh, events moving and so um, yeah we try to encourage community members to come and and um share their their experiences with whether they've uh have filed a complaint against an officer before if they uh how how that go um and so it's been really interesting to hear directly from people who have actually um tried to um use the the current um uh system of filing a complaint against an officer and how it's just it just it's not working and that's what we want to hear um thank you all so much for being here and talking with me today um i really appreciate it as is probably clear this is a 
massive undertaking that you're all involved in. Um, and there's, it's probably literally impossible for us to cover everything that you're doing in an hour. Uh, but if there's anything that you'd like to add that, that you want folks to know, um, I would probably just say that, um, if you're listening and you have any questions or input, or you have, um, filed a complaint before, uh, we would love to hear from you. So please email us at policeaccountability@portlandoregon.gov. Um, that is a great way to get a hold of the staff for the P Police Accountability Commission. And we will be able to uh, make sure that those messages that you're sending, those emails that you're sending are getting to the full commission. Um, but really just like everybody's been saying, like, saying get involved. Um, we have weekly meetings almost every Monday and Thursday evening. Um, we have community engagement events that we're trying to do weekly, if not every other week. Um, most of those are open to the public. Some of those are, are private listening sessions for targeted like community groups. Um, we did have a community engagement event last night. I think it went pretty well. And we were actually able to hear from people who have used the system before to file a complaint. And so I know that was kind of a big part of what we discussed with officer accountability in the subcommittee last phase of work. And so actually like hearing again from people like, hey, this is how it went and it didn't work as we are wrapping up that phase. It's just kind of reiterates how important the work is that we're doing. And um, I just want to give a huge, you know, huge round of applause to our three co-chairs for phase three. Um, some of the youngest, if not the youngest, you know, co-chair that we've had. And they absolutely did amazing. And this was a really big undertaking. And it was exciting. This was the first phase of work where we actually got to start putting pen to paper. And like, we've created documents before, but it was mostly research. And now it's like, okay, we get to actually decide like, like what powers like this oversight board is going to have. And, and that's been really huge. So um, again, I just want to thank all three of them publicly. So yeah, come on out, get involved, submit public comment, come to our meetings, um, email us, however you want to get involved, because it's going to take the the power of the, the people to get this policy passed through city council. So I've been speaking with uh, Tirsa Oriana, uh, Christian Oriana Bauer, and Ajay Amaechi, uh, the previous co-chairs of the phase three powers and duties phase of the Portland Police Accountability Commission. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you for having us. And thank you. Yes. Thanks, Sam.